Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast, a weekly discussion about the Camino de Santiago, a series of ancient, spiritual and mystical pilgrimages across Europe. Pilgrims walk to the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela, where, we're told, the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James are interred beneath a majestic cathedral in the centre of the old city. I'm no expert. I'm simply a conduit for pilgrims to tell the story of their Camino. And I'm absolutely delighted to be able to tell you that a song I wrote on the Camino in 2017, somewhere along the way, the Camino song, will be released worldwide on July 26. It will be available on all streaming services and via iTunes. It's been a long time coming, as they say, but I hope it's been worth the wait. I flew from Sydney to the Gold Coast this week to spend some time with my family, and as the aircraft climbed out of Sydney, I was struck by the beauty of the sunrise. The ochre and red signalled a new dawn, a new day of adventure and opportunity, and pilgrims appreciate blessings are blessings. And it's easy to forget as we blast our way through life from one commitment to another, desperately trying to keep up with what's expected of us. But the US singer-songwriter Roger Miller sang, Let me be a little kinder, let me be a little blinder, to the faults of those around me, let me praise a little more, let me be when I am weary, just a little bit more cheery, think a little more of others and a little less of me. The opening line of Somewhere Along the Way, the Camino song, is El Camino Roses, Santo Domingo Crows. As someone familiar with the song wrote to me this week to ask what the inspiration was for that lyric. Well, it's the roses along the side of the Camino as you enter Loroño. And my great Camino friend, Jenny Heesh, is in Spain right now. And she just happened to be on the way to Loroño when she read my post. And Jenny walked right up to the roses, found them, just as I said. They're actually called the Rose of St. James's Way. Look for them as you enter Loroño on the left before you turn left up and over the bridge and into the city. And remember, stop to smell the roses. My guest this week is the Australian pilgrim Wayne Singleton. And I met Wayne in the Blue Mountains when I delivered a talk to the pilgrims group at the town of Blackheath in late May. No matter where you're listening around the globe... Put the Blue Mountains in your little black book, a must-see destination just an hour outside of Sydney. Wayne had only just returned from the Camino when I met him, and I could see the Camino glow in his eyes. He's on the line. Welcome, Wayne. Thank you very much, Dan. Very interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing that, hearing that song when it comes out on the 26th. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. It's, it, it will be, I hope, worth, worth waiting for. Yeah. So tell us about your Camino. Well, as someone said up at that meeting at the Blue Mountains where we met, um, your Camino starts when you walk out the front door and turn left, and I suspect that was my feeling exactly, although the Camino for me goes back about a year, I guess, or thereabouts, when um, it found me. Um, I'm one of those people, although I'm not religious, I believe that um, that I didn't find the Camino, it found it found me and decided that um, I was going to walk it. So there we go. So um, I, um, I trained a bit, or quite a bit actually, and um, uh, got my feet as hard as I could, you know, in terms of the right shoes and socks and, and so forth. Um, and um, I uh, headed off by Cairo to, um, to Paris and then St. John-Pied-de-Port, um, excuse my 
misinterpretation. <laughs> I'm not that good at languages. <laughs> um, and uh, headed out on my, um, well, officially 799-kilometre journey, according to the certificate I got, um, and arrived in, um, in Santiago de Compostela 32 days later. Did you stop and smell the roses? I only learned about the roses when we met. So, no, I didn't do that. Uh, I'll have to go. Perhaps that's why I'm being called to go back. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now you've got a reason. (laughs) Did you find yourself, though, more inclined to be someone who stops to smell roses now you're home? Ah, yes. I'm a lot calmer than I was. I don't kind of lose it, if you like, um, uh, the way sometimes perhaps I used to do it. I just sort of think, well, you know, it's another day tomorrow and... um, and what, you know, case sera, sera. But, um, so, yeah, I do, um, I do feel that, yeah, yeah. So let's talk some practicalities. How far did you walk each day? I walked, well, 32, uh, as my daughter told me, 30, uh, 800 kilometres divided by 32 is an average 25 a day. So, and I found 25 was a nice distance. Sometimes it was 30, sometimes it was... 20, and I think the shortest day was the last day into Santiago de Compostela, which I think was from memory is about 16. And you, you mentioned that you'd done a bit of walking. Would you have considered yourself to be fit? Uh, yes, I think so. I've um, uh, recently retired and I um, um, try to walk most days. I've stopped going to the gym now because I find walking is sufficient for me. But So I guess I am reasonably fit, yeah. yeah. And my Fitbit gave me a, uh, a Nile Award last Friday for walking 6,649 kilometres in the last two years, which is the length of the Nile River. There you go. Fantastic. A <laughs> Nile Award. The Nile Award. Oh, I love it. That's great. The, so... The so let's let's talk about, and I know a lot of people who are listening are thinking about going, and they would be apprehensive about that first day, that the Pyrenees, and indeed talking to my guest last week, Emma Dunwoody said, oh my God, it just almost killed her. You, you were a pretty seasoned walker. You said you'd done a bit of preparation. How did you find day one? Well, I, um, I found day one very interesting. Firstly, um, I started walking on the 19th of March, which is when the snow started. And uh, although, sorry, the snow had been uh, on the Pyrenees for some time, but it was coming down lower the day I started. So the Pyrenees uh, uh, track was closed and I had to go through Val Carlos. And interestingly enough, as the snow melted a couple of days later, the Val Carlos route was closed as well and you had to start from um, um, Pompolona. So... Uh, but I, I did. I walked to um, uh, from from St John to um, Roncesvalles uh, in quite deep snow. Um, it was interesting to say the least. And I was thinking, uh, well, thirty to forty more days of this. Mm, this is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 if you're walking in quite deep snow, were you able to easily find your way? Well, I, one of the things about the Camino that is, is that it, uh, there's lots of lessons along the way and you, you've mentioned that in your presentation that I, I was out in the Blue Mountains here. Um, I started out from the Pilgrim office in St John, walked through the archway there, um, across the river, turned right to go to Val Carlos and there was a fellow standing there, another pilgrim, uh, 
whose name was Alain, the French guy, and I'm, I swear to you he was waiting for me. We'd never met before, but we walked for quite a while, and when the snow got deeper and deeper, he was uh, he walked a, a couple hundred metres in front, and we just called out to each other and found our way across the uh, the track to... Um, to Roncesvalles uh, that way, but the snow it was the track was obliterated in that sort of five minute difference between the two of us. Yeah, that so it was actually snowing as well. Oh, very heavy snow. Yes, very heavy snow. So you would have had very little uh, view, very little that your visibility would have been very restricted. That's right. Yeah. No, look, we to Val Carlos was fine and. Um, then, uh, but once we went off the road, um, some people did walk around the road all the way. We went off the road where the track goes to the left, um, to Val Carlos, and uh, it had been snowing for quite a while at that point. And then the deep snow uh, was all along that track. Uh, maybe we should have turned back, but we didn't. So you must have been relieved to get into Ronsos Valleys. Well, <laughs> and and... There's another interesting story, or to me interesting. I, I lost Alan, um, in that um, when I got to the road, I couldn't see him. Um, and the last couple of kilometres, people who've walked it will be aware, is actually on the road. And there were these people throwing snowballs, and one of them said to me, Are "You okay?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I'm frozen, and I've got no food left, and I've got no water left." And they filled up my water bottle, and they gave me this apple. I'll never forget this apple. It was so juicy. And I found myself walking down that last couple of kilometres, singing away to myself, chewing on this apple, just feeling on top of the world. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Do you remember where they were from? Uh, they were from, they were um, Westerners, but they were living in, I think it was Nigeria or somewhere like that. Oh, okay. And, but they, they were pilgrims? Just, no, oh, no, no, no. Oh, they were there in a car. Yeah, no, they were they were just there in a car. They were visiting Spain um, as tourists. I don't care. Were you surprised? You, you mentioned walking with the Frenchman. Were you surprised overall on the Camino by the com- camaraderie between pilgrims? Oh, look, it was extraordinary. Um, I I met you know from from a couple from of Americans from. Um, from uh, Spokane, who were both, it turned out, uh, involved with Medicine Sans Frontier. Um, and we had a wonderful time together to some Englishmen and a Spaniard relative of theirs from Burgos. And he invited me to his home. It was Easter. We arrived in Burgos. And I stayed with him and we went to the processions, you know, the famous Burgos processions with the floats on top of the 50, 60 people swaying as they walk along. It was just everywhere you went, um, you met people that you'd either met before or it was just extraordinary. You know, the, the, the camaraderie and the desire to have a chat or leave you alone, which is just as important, I think, if you were quite content to walk for a while on your own and contemplate, then people t- seem to detect that and... Um, and um, um, just leave you to it. Yeah, that's right. You do get a sense pretty quickly, don't you, if mm. someone wants to talk to you or wants to be alone. And I think it's, yep. it's, it's, it, it's a skill 
that you learn fairly quickly um, to identify it and respect other people's wishes, which I think is lovely. So did you mainly walk alone or, or in a group? Well, I had... Um, it was quite a mixed bag. A friend of mine flew over from Melbourne for a couple of weeks from, from Burgos to... Um, to um, uh, Laha areas, um, so he was with me for two weeks. So we walked together for that. But um, generally, I would say uh, two thirds of the time I walked with somebody or a group of people, or was, you know, within sort of yelling distance of of people that I knew. Um, the, and the rest of the time, I was quite happy just to walk quietly and think about things and so forth. But, yeah. And did you stay mainly in albergues or, or hostels, or, or where did you stay? I stayed in albergues primarily, um, although, and this friend in Burgos that uh, put me up for a couple of nights, which was fabulous. Uh, and then I shouted myself a hotel with a bar when I got to Santiago de Compostela. <laughs> Isn't it funny, the little things that you're just delighted about? Oh, was... look, look, it's funny, Dan, because... A lot of our albergues, as you know from your experience, have those dreadful showers with the 10-second square of water. Yeah, yeah. And you learn to push your back against the the button to keep it going for a while. And and you come to, across an albergue which doesn't have that, and it's bliss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. And with hot water. And with hot water, yeah. yeah. And I, cause I, I said to – I remember walking a couple of days with a, a 77-year-old Frenchman – and he was almost running the Camino, you know. I said, why don't you slow down? Take it easy. He said, hot water. I said, hot oh, well, that's water. fair enough then. I understand. I can totally appreciate what you're doing. Tell us, <laughs> tell us what you made of the food, Wayne. Look, it, 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 the, uh, we ate mainly, um, we, uh, ate mainly um, uh, Peregrino meals, um, which are pretty cheap, uh, sort of 8 to 10 euros a time, I guess. And there was plenty of food for that that money, and generally a bottle of wine to boot, which was great. I loved it. I really thought that um, you know that, that food uh, was terrific along the way, and if you wanted to splash out and spend more, um, that was great. The tapas bars were fabulous. Overall, just loved it. Um, yeah, and the orange juice. I drank gallons of orange juice. Um, you know, freshly, um, freshly um, squeezed orange yeah. juice, which was just fabulous. Yeah. It is fabulous because they don't waste any. You, you eat the <laughs> whole orange, skin and all. You drink the whole orange, rather, skin and all. Mm. Yeah. Why don't we do that here? I have no idea. I've been looking around to find an yeah. orange squeezer. I've, I've said that both times I've been on the Camino. I, why haven't we? Do, why don't we do that in Australia? That's such a great idea. Yeah. yeah. And the pulp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what, let, let's talk about your feet. Did you get blisters? No. No, I was very lucky. I only had, I only had um, uh, a minor problem with what I think may have been shin splints for a day. Other than that, I was fine, yeah. No problems at all. Feet were good. So what was the secret? Did you do any particular preparation for your feet? Rub cream on them or wear three pairs of socks or something? What? No, I, I did... Someone told me I should be wearing two pairs of socks, so I tried that and I didn't like it, so I you know, took, went back to one pair. And I used uh, merino wool. I had a couple of hot spots, and I just used to um, put a bit of merino wool uh, adjacent to the hot spot, and, and it went away. So um, 
So I was very fortunate when I saw some of the people with uh, what's that duct tape? Yeah, grey duct. They were putting that over their feet to um, yeah to control. I just thought, oh no, no, that doesn't do it for me. No, no, no. The the uh, the chapter in Bill Bennett's book when he goes into the hiking store and peels off the gaffer tape, the uh, duct tape, will put you off that forever. Oh. Uh, it hurts ghastly. So, yeah. uh, so, so, okay. So, you, you didn't have any blisters. So, what type of shoes did you wear? Um, oh, I just wore a. Uh, it was a Swedish. I can't remember the brand name. Just a Swedish uh, walking shoe. It wasn't a boot. Right. Um, I travelled ultra light. I, I had those. I had a very light pair of, of um, trainers to wear in the evening, and I actually just wore um, standard. Uh, nylon, I think it is, type track pants the whole time. Easy. Yep. There's no point in taking more than you need. What type of pack did you carry? And how heavy was it? Uh, it was a 40-litre pack, and I, uh, without water, I was six kilos. Okay, that's not too much. And and I'm interested sometimes, did you listen to music while you walked? No. No, I I... I ran. I met a um, a British surgeon somewhere along the way in the early days, who said to me, "We hadn't yet got to the Masetta, and people had told me a lot about the Masetta and how boring it is, and you know, you get a bus or get a taxi or whatever moves you to get across the Masetta." And I'd already decided I was going to walk the whole way, um, so that wasn't an option for me, but. He said to me, as you're walking across the Masetta, look at the things from a positive point of view, the things that you see, because if you do that, you'll see some fabulous things like the way the, you know, the crops were, had just been planted, for example, and they were starting to, um, to come through the um, soil. Um, it was, uh, that's when it wasn't snowing. <laughs> yeah. um, but but I, I found that I was fascinated by the, the type of track we walked on, the um, the hills were interesting with the amount of snow that was on them, um, the uh, and the people across the Masetta broke it up, of course, into um, into good sized uh, bites. Yeah. Had you done much research before you left? Uh, yeah. Look, I'd, I'd worked out a to me was a um, uh, a walking plan which I kind of stuck to. I was aiming at thirty two days, and that's what I did. Um, but I, um, I'd done, and, and mainly my research was going to the Blue Mountains group that you were at, uh, and talking to people there, because it was them that told, you know, the, the little, uh, snippets, like when you're lying on your bunk, um, after you finish walking, stick your pack at the end of the bunk and put your feet up on it, and that takes the strain off your back and helps the blood circulate, all those kind of things, you know. Uh, so no, I, that, to that extent, I did do research. Yet. Uh, I, did, I didn't know much about what I was going to see along the way, other than what I had in the book. You know, I, I had the Briley book with me. Um, but uh, and and if if I made any mistakes out of it all, the big mistake was I didn't. I was intent on getting to my destination, and I didn't spend too much time. Um, looking at the um, at the historical sites along the way. So you'd like to go back and perhaps smell the roses a bit more? Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what yeah. about on the Camino itself? Did you book 
Uh, were you one of these spreadsheet pilgrims? Did you know where you were going to stay or just go with the flow? Oh, mixture. Um, once I got confidence, I, I booked at St. John uh, before I started and I booked at uh, Roncesvalles because people said to me it's hard to get accommodation there. Um, so there was a bit of a mixture. But um, um, So the first week or so, maybe longer, yes, did that. And then, um, and then my friend from Melbourne and I chucked, sent out, um, sent part of his pack on for um, for a while because he just had too much gear. And I, uh, so we were forced then to pick the town we were going to pick the bags up at. So, did you always get a bed? Yep, no, never had a problem. Right. And so, how busy was it? You're talking about March, April. How busy was it? Uh, it was the at at the start um, pilgrim office. They said they were starting about thirty five to forty people a day, and we also had the day we started thirty two uh, South Koreans in a tour party. So there were sixty odd the day we started, and uh, or the day I started, um, and and what I didn't realise was that. They're the people, provide, unless a few start and stop, but they're the core people you're going to walk with all the way. Yeah. Which is why you get to know them. And then when, when some um, European person, British person, um, drops into the sequence, if you like, because they did a, a week last year and a week this year and so on and so forth, that's where your variations kind of come in of, the number of people that are on the track at any one time. But I had no concept of that before I started. Yeah, that it, it's lovely the way that you people come and go and you might be two weeks even without seeing someone and then you'll hear, hear your name well, called it, in a town square and there they are. Well, I ran into Alain. I mentioned him before, the French guy. I ran into him. I lost him after a few days. Um, that happens. That's pretty normal, I think. And... Um, I was in Santiago um, behind the cathedral and this voice called out, Wayne, is that you? And there he was. And uh, we decided, it was about 7 o'clock at night, and we decided to go to a tapas bar and have a meal. And between meeting him and the tapas bar, which is about 300 metres down the road, we came across nine different people who I knew on the track. Wayne, how are you? Yeah, this is the friendliness and that sort of coming to the fore. We had a fantastic night that night. How lovely. Really interesting. Just, you know, we were telling all our stories in this tapas bar. We um, went to a couple of other bars, went to a, um, I think I might have mentioned to you, a rock and roll bar around the back of the cathedral. Yeah. Which was fascinating. Um, Something I haven't done for a few years. (laughs) But, um, yeah. So we had a really fabulous night with um, with some Irishmen, some British, some um, um, oh, Alans, uh, and a couple of other French guys. It was nine, uh, eleven of us in all. So, so let's talk a little bit more about Santiago. Then, what did you make of walking into the square on completion? Oh, um, it was highly emotional. And I, I was struck by two things as I walked in. There's, there's that kind of uh, archway or the tunnel you walk yeah. through. And in the tunnel, 
was a fellow playing the bagpipes. And I thought, hang on a minute, what's that got to do with Spain? And then um, just prior to that, I came across a fellow who was playing what looked to me very like a didgeridoo. You probably have seen these around San Diego. So I was struck by both of those as being kind of oddball and out of of, um, context, if you like. Walked through into the square and someone I'd met along the way said to me, oh, you've arrived, great, well done, I'll take your picture. And I burst into tears. (laughs) It was just, you know, I wasn't sure whether... um, It just seemed... I thought it might have been an anticlimax, but it was the exact opposite. It was just, you know, a, a feeling of, wow, you've done it, Wayne. It's great. Yeah, it's fabulous. And then to meet so many people over the next few days who likewise had done it, um, you know, and we would sort of catch up and share stories and that sort of thing. Because everyone has a different story. That's the amazing thing about it. Yeah. They do have different stories. And mm. I'm sort of now I'm all over the place with my, my script here. I was going to get to this later. But did you find yourself, did you surprise yourself by how good a listener you became? Yeah, I've never been much of a listener. But yes, I I found myself listening to people because people, some, there's some interesting, everyone's got their own story and the reason that they did the the uh, were doing the walk and so forth, and 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 they were, some of them were absolutely fascinating. You know, people who were doing it for spiritual reasons, um, a fellow who or a couple actually who were having a picnic at every church they came to, and another fellow who had a beer at every bar he went to. <laughs> I, I saw him in the morning, which was probably fortunate. Um, but everyone, yeah, look, it was just listening to what they're saying. Initially, I found it a bit hard, and then it became a natural part of of the day. You know, you meet these people. Um, if there's a stony silence, you start talking about you, I guess, in some respects. And because um, uh, I'm a, uh, it was a bit of an older pilgrim, they were sort of saying, "Are you okay?" You know, "Yeah, I'm fine." Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, but a lot of them were happy to talk about why they were there and how they were finding it and their aches and pains and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. There, there, there is that one common denominator, if you like, the, the, yeah. the pain yeah. and the fact yeah. that you only have to just get up and walk. That's all that you only have to do. Did you carry a shell, Wayne? I did. And, and um, I had forgotten this, but about 10 years ago, my daughter, who lives uh, up in the Blue Mountains as well, had gone on a walking trip. She went across the UK and she'd done about half the Camino and I took her shell so I could complete the walk for her then gave it back to her. Well, that was my next question. Where is it now? So you gave it back to her. How lovely. I gave it back to her, yeah, because it's done, it's done, it's 800 kilometres now. It's, um, it's, um, uh, and she gave me, they'd been in Japan last year, my daughter, her husband and grandkids, do you know what a Delma doll is? No. It's a Japanese head, which has got just white eyes. And the the idea is that you colour in one of the eyes 
and make a wish about something significant, and then when the wish has been fulfilled, you do the other eye. So my, my, mine, of course, was to walk the Camino. So we had a um, had the family round and um, had a um, uh, couple of good wines and um, coloured in the other eye. So uh, that was that was interesting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what a lovely thing to do! How I love that story. That's great. Now I want yeah. to talk. And I often talk about the spiritual aspect of the Camino and the the opportunity, if you like, to let go. Did you experience a cleansing, Mike? I I can't remember. I, yes, I did, and I think I did tell you this. I, on day two, um, I, I have I have um, metastatic prostate cancer, which is one of the reasons I was walking was because I. Um, it's never worried me. I've never thought about it. It just is. And I have to be, have checks every every three months, which is fine. It's all under control. Everything's fine. And one of the things I wanted to get straight in my head was whether that was the right thing to do, that just forget about it, you know, whether I should be, you know, thinking a bit more about other things I should be doing to help myself and so forth. And I came to the conclusion that I was doing the right thing by ignoring it and just making sure I didn't miss my three-monthly check. But on day two, I had a, um, I had a problem, um, which turned out um, to, it was a, a back problem, and I was leaning over to the left all the time, and I really struggled into, uh, is it Takiri? Zubiri. Uh, yeah, yeah, Zubiri. Yeah, that's it. Um, the last five or six Ks into there, and um, anyway, long story short, I met this um, French, another French fellow, not Alain, another guy, Nicholas, and who was a nurse. And he said to me, you need to see a GP, because he, he said it doesn't sound too good. And he said, hang on a minute, and he, he, we're sitting on a bench, and he said, turn around. And he put his hands on my um, you know, the lower back, down low on each side. And the heat that came out of that was incredible. Now, you know, I'm telling you this now, thinking to myself, no, this is rubbish. No one's going to believe this, you know. But after about 15 minutes, he said, how's that? I said, yeah, it's pretty good. He said, can you touch your toes? And I did, and I had no more problems. What, just from him resting his hands on your back, and you could feel this heat? I could feel this intense heat. And... um, I, um, I, I, we talked about it, and I, we, I, we think the physical problem was that I hadn't eaten all day because the um, uh, Roncesvalles restaurant wasn't open when I left, so I had no food all day, and I'd eaten everything the day before in the snow, so I had nothing other than water with me. And it was, we think it was just muscle spasms because it never reoccurred after I got into a proper eating sort of regime each day of the walk. Yeah. Wow, how wonderful. Yeah, but I, I, I struggle with that kind of stuff because it's, you know, um, people who know me well know that I sort of shy away from those sorts of things, although it really happened and I really didn't have another occurrence. What about the wider experience, the, the, the pilgrimage, as it were? How yeah. how do you how do you describe that to people back home? Well, I, I suppose in some ways, I, I, it certainly to me had a calming influence 
and I, I got I started to quench to question things like um, you know why I was really doing it uh, if if as I think the Camino called me then what was the message that it was trying to tell me and I think the message it was trying to tell me was just calm down back off you know uh, there's always another day tomorrow you can um, you know by all means think about these things but at the end of the day follow your heart yeah that's and, right and and that were, you mentioned at that dinner in the Blue Mountains here about you could still see the Camino in my eyes and I think I still can because I keep going, having flashbacks still yeah yeah, oh no, there was absolutely no question. You were sort of, you were glowing when I met you. Yeah, yeah. So, so how, how can then a pilgrim apply what they've learned on the Camino to their everyday life, do you think? Um, well, I, now that I've, I've kind of retired and I've no intention of going back to work, I'm sort of thinking a bit about what I'm going to do from here on. I've got, um, there's a few walks I think I'm going to do. Um, I'm not sure whether, I've got a feeling I'm going to do another Camino, but I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure when that might be. I'm tied up with the um, the the area, the regional um, prostate cancer support group on on their board, and um, I'm speaking to them on um, in a couple of weeks, and I can see that I'm going to do a bit of that sort of thing because I don't, while I was away, there was a lot of information came out about exercise and cancer and uh, although this is an extreme form of exercise um, I guess I think there's a lot of truth in it and uh, there's a lot of um, things that you know people who walk like this um, can talk about how um, exercise really has helped them and I think maybe part of the Camino message is get out and tell people about that Wayne because that's pretty important. Yeah, that, that's a great thing, a great mission too, because uh, because you'll be helping not only others but yourself, which is really important. Yeah. And yeah. and so with that in mind, if someone's listening and they're fearful of not being able to physically handle the challenge of the Camino, what would you say to them? Look, well, it, it's hap- it's actually happened in the last couple of weeks because a fellow I met at our last prostate council meeting said to me. He'd like to have a chat because he had he'd just been diagnosed, and he said that he wanted to uh, he was interested in walking and how would he go? And I said to him, just go. You know, when I had my back problem on day two, what kept me going was a lot of people knew I was doing the walk, and there was no way I was going to say I gave up on the yeah. second day. It was never going to happen. And I said to him, look, it doesn't matter if you only do. You know, go and do the last hundred kilometres, because um, you 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 and and send your bags on every day. Because the Camino, the way you do it, to me, is the way you want to do it. Not it, you don't have to walk at all. You can just do whatever you want to do to get to Santiago. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't. Uh, I know a lot of people uh, would be saying, "Oh, look at the shiny, clean people get, starting at um, Sabrera." And uh, I, you know, I'd sort of think, well, yeah, but that's to them, that's what they wanted to do. So I'd say, I say, do it. Just try it. Unless there's a compelling reason, um, why not? Hell, hell, there's a movie 
that's been organised up here about this fellow that pushed his mate in a wheelchair. He did. <laughs> yeah, he did. I'll um, push you. I'll push you, yes. Well, it's, uh, there's an, a bit of a push for anyone in the Blue Mountains who is listening to this. It's on on the 23rd, I think it is, at the uh, Mount Vic Flicks. But, I, look, I, I would say, look, just do it. Um, you, I think you said when you talked to us that you decided to do it and left a few days later, and I, I suspect you're pretty fit. But um, if um, just do it, give it a go. If if you're compelled to do it, just do it. If if you're sort of thinking, oh, I'm not too sure, then fine, do something else. But um, um, uh, I encourage them to give it a go. What's the most important thing about being a pilgrim? Do you think, Wayne? The most. Mm, you ask hard questions. <laughs> my job <laughs> yeah yeah i um i i think a lot of it is that um is is that meeting people and sharing listening to their stories and sharing your story with them is a huge huge part of it the walking becomes quite routine i found the hills get flatter and so on and so forth but i found that um that sharing with people was huge, and 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 some would walk it before, when you finished walking for the day, would show you things in the village you were going to or the village you were at, that you probably wouldn't have seen, like the chickens in the uh, that cathedral and um, yeah, uh, that sort of stuff. You know, um, that to me was the overwhelming um, take out of it was the people I met that I'm still in contact with. That I'm waiting on your song so I can send it to them because I told them all about it. Awesome. Yeah, it, it's it's a wonderful thing the continued engagement because you have that one thing in common. Um, yeah. Th that you met the, this yeah. strange, bizarre walk across yeah. across Europe. You know, and, and and no matter where you're from, you know, you they don't. The people that you meet don't know anything about what it's like to live in the Blue Mountains outside of Sydney or in the inner west of Sydney. You don't know anything what it's like to live in Southern California or in Belgium or in Poland. But you both share that one common experience, and that's just a lovely thing to have, yep. uh, you know, together. So with that in mind, if I could pick you up and drop you on one spot on the Camino and you could spend a day there, where would you like to be dropped? I keep coming back to Santiago de Compostela. Yeah. That, you know, I was privileged enough. I finished on a Friday, so I saw the, what's it called? The, the, the big... Yeah, Botafogo yeah. Arrow, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I saw that in the, um, in the Pilgrim Mass at, uh, on the Friday evening, which was unbelievable. Uh, it's, it's many years, other than weddings and funerals, that I've been to church, and I went the first night in Roncesvalles, and I went that night um, and saw that, and I, it was just amazing, yeah. But San Diego, I just loved because there were so... I knew probably knew more people there than I do in the Blue Mountains. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But it was, it was pretty special, and, um, um, you know, you just walk down the road, someone would yell out and you'd have a beer with them or whatever, a coffee... Um, uh, I really enjoyed, even if I only went back to 
for a holiday there, I'd probably do it. Yeah, and someone was on Facebook on one of the forums this last week talking about Camino magic. Um, and then someone else wrote, well, whatever you call it, um, they said it's not really magic. It's simply doing the right thing and treating people with kindness. Yeah. And I found other pilgrims to be incredibly kind. It's an important message to bring home, though, isn't it, that we could all be a little bit kinder, like Roger Miller said in that song that I was quoting before. Yeah. No, that's and that's right, and I think, and you see it everywhere. You, you know, we uh, we came across a lady wheeling a, just a regular stroller with a small wheels with a twenty-month-old baby in it, uh, um, about fifty kilometres out of Santiago de Compostela. And um, uh, I was walking with another fellow, and I said to him, "Let's help her out." So we went. We said to her, "Can we just pick up the each side of the stroller and give you a break from pushing it over the stones?" And um, um, she was most thankful, but she didn't want that. She wanted to push it the whole way herself, that sort of thing. And she was interesting to talk to about that because, you know, the baby was pretty happy with a dummy in its mouth, getting bounced across the stones and so forth. And um, But, you know, other people were quite happy for you to, um, you know, if their poles are in the road, you carry that for a while for them. They were quite happy to do that. Share your water with them. Um, if they'd run out of water and so forth. Um, yeah, look, it's... Yeah, because if, everyone's in the same boat. If, uh, if you've had a good day and the sun's been shining, um, everyone that you're walking with has got the same issue, and if it's been pouring with rain all day and blowing, which happened on a few days, then everyone else has got the same problem. So you've got that common denominator to start with, um, and... Um, and it's not hard to start talking to people when it's um, when it's a nice sunny day and you've got your sunglasses on and your backpack weighs nothing. Um, that uh, it's not hard to to strike up a conversation. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Just talking to you is taking me back, and and I'm remembering many of those conversa- conversations that I had, which is which is really lovely. So look, we're just about out of time. We've been talking for almost forty five minutes. Is there anything you'd like to add? Um, I'll probably talk myself out, I think. No, look, I, I think that um, that people will be listening to this um, podcast because they've done it and they want to, you know, it's a, it's a, a great reminder um, of of the experience or that you, you were talking to David the other day about his, um, his Camino group up in the uh, central New South Wales coast of New, uh, here in New South Wales. And... And and so people are either it brings back memories to them or it actually helps fill in the gaps on um, information they'd love to know before they um, before they uh, head out and go and do it. Um, but look, I just I would just say to anyone if you think you'd like to do the Camino, just do it. And it doesn't matter which one you do, and it doesn't matter how you do it. And if the last hundred kilometres is what you want to do, that's fine too. But um, but at least do it and experience the camaraderie and experience the um, the fact that for a couple of thousand years people have walked along that trail. Um, then there's only one way to do it, and that's getting an aeroplane and get over there. 
Yeah, that's right. Look, I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you, Wayne. I can't believe we've been talking for as long as we have, actually. But I say often here, I have the best job in the world. I get to talk to people about what they love, (laughs) and they get to relive something very special to them, something very personal, and yet very mutual in the global connection that pilgrims enjoy. So thank you for your time, Wayne, and buen camino. Uh, Buen camino, thank you. My guest this week, the Australian pilgrim Wayne Singleton and Roger Miller saying, let me be a little kinder, let me be a little blinder to the faults of those around me, let me praise a little more, let me be when I am weary, just a little bit more cheery, think a little more of others and a little less of me. Remember, stop to smell the roses. Thanks for your company this week and every week. I really appreciate your support. And if you'd like to be in touch, you can message me via the Facebook page or email me. Somewhere along the way, the Camino song will be launched worldwide on Thursday, July 26. There's much to look forward to and much to be grateful for. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Camino.